0: I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Kurt Thomas. He is the head track and field coach over at University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, he's been there since 2008, been the head coach since December of 2010, uh, Conference USA. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is uh, exciting. I don't get to talk to people from New Mexico very often, so
0: I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you. It's always fun. I, I enjoy talking to coaches and you know, I get to talk to a lot of the coaches here in New Mexico, but to talk to someone who's gone on to that next level and have the experiences that you know we'll kind of get into is just it's a it's a different thing and it's just kind of fun to again kind of expose people like what what you're able to do yeah absolutely yeah i think um
1: um, I agree. Every, every time I run into someone that has a tie to New Mexico from track and field, whether it's high school or or college, um, I get excited too. There's, there's a lot of great athletes and great coaches that came from the state of New Mexico. Just people don't know about it. So this is a good thing.
0: Right. Exactly. And then, and, you know, people forget about the, the past, the people that came before them, you know, so quickly, you know, there's, we were just talking, you know, we're, we're around the same age and, there's people that that we raced against that the kids that I coach now here have no idea who they are yeah and and they were good yeah yeah they were <laughs> so you know my first question is how did you get into running you know um new mexico
1: in the 80s and 90s you know there really wasn't a lot of outside influences from track and field except for you Know eventually high school. Um, I played uh, all the different sports. Um, we won a state championship in soccer my senior year. Um, I played football um, at Hobbs High and, um, um, but and played baseball growing up at some point. Um, but you know, at some point, if you're good at distance running, you're just better than other people. And, and I mean, sprint wise, like I was just kind of fast. And, um, and so, you know, you kind of catch that bug. Um, I caught the bug in ninth grade. Well, probably eighth grade when, when we had, we on the junior high team. Um, but really our ninth grade team was really good and won a little conference championship down there in Southeastern New Mexico and, um, had a good group of older kids and, and a good coach and Eldon Smith, um, that just you know was a, a good a good coach, but also just a good man, and um, really mentored all of us. And so uh, we had we had a, a pretty solid program for a couple of years. There's always a state champion or, or two on our on our program uh, with older kids like Kyle Soper, who was a um, state champion sprinter, but also ran at New Mexico and uh, some other good ones from the 90s. And you know you just kind of fall into it and uh, have a good group of uh, people around you to run with and have fun with and. Um, and so, yeah, we, we had a pretty good uh, sprint program at the time. And um, uh, Bob Jackson was a big mentor of mine at Hobbs High. He, he just retired there a couple of years ago. Um, just a, a, an amazing track and field mind. But again, I, I, I went to church with his children and, you know, we all just knew each other really well growing up. So he was a big influence of mine. And um, you know, again, w- when you're kind of fast and you're kind of good at it, um, you know, the, it's, it's a lot more fun. Um, so we had a lot of fun down there. We, we won a state championship in the four by one my senior year. And except for a drop baton, we, we were on our way to winning the four by two as well. We we had the past time in the state. We were pretty good. Um, uh, so, yeah, just kind of got into it um, that way. And um, just wasn't done. You know, I just, I just loved it. I knew I wanted to do sports in college. I I didn't know what really, but um, I just wasn't done with track and field yet. So went on and walked on to to UNM.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, you mentioned coach Jackson. I've had a couple of uh, distance runners on from Hobbs and they, they definitely talked about the influence that he had on, on them down in Hobbs as well. And it just seems like you know, one of those coaches that that's easy to look up to and and inspire to be like.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. Very stoic man. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. It's just really dry, but you just know he cares about you. You know, he may not put his arm around you every single day or anything like that, but but uh, you know he cares about you. And you know he's telling you right. And so yeah, he's a
0: he's a good one. That's great. That's fantastic. And what was it like? You know, for you at that time, kind of coming up. From Hobbs, like when you would come up to Albuquerque for like state championships and stuff, because, you know, for me growing up in the north, coming down to Albuquerque, like it was a big deal for us. And, you know, now like coaching in Albuquerque, the kids here, like they're just kind of used to it. Like, oh, it's just it's here, you know.
1: (laughs) Oh, it was a huge deal. I mean, I remember my sophomore year being so worried that if I didn't run well enough, coach wasn't going to take me to state or whatever. I mean, it, it was everything, you know, we didn't, even in other sports, we didn't make it up to, to Albuquerque unless it was, um, you know, a, a planned big trip. Everyone's excited about it. I mean, Hobbs is pretty small. And so I think right. just even a big city w- was um, pretty interesting, but um, you know, w- one thing I always wanted to, and thought I deserved or, or, or thought I could run at the Maryland, Maryland Sepulveda meet. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I guess i just wasn't good enough because i never got invited but like that was like a goal of mine like i want to run at that never got a chance to so going up, coming up to state and just running state every year at unm's track i mean it, it was everything
0: right oh man the Maryland pobita that's to see that's we were on different levels i i didn't even know what it was in high school i was that far behind <laughs> i just had other people on our team that got invited and so i just that's the,
1: that's how i knew from the outside looking in
0: uh, it, and it's, it's still, you know, a big one when we get kids invited to that, you know, it's, it's a big deal and we make sure, you know, like, no, this is, this is a big deal. Like that you yeah. should be excited about this. Cause some of them are just like, oh, it's just another meet. It's like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about walking on to, to UNM, you know, what was that like to walk to a, a D1 program at that time?
1: You know, now that, you know, it's my job, I I take these things for granted, like, you know, registering for the NCAA eligibility center. I didn't know any of that stuff then. Like, all I knew is that I wanted to walk on. I I must've been on my orientation and I somehow just walked into the coach's offices. I think, (laughs) And I guess he told me to go register at the NCAA. I, I really don't remember, but somehow we got it all done and, and I was able to walk on and, um, now, the one thing that helped me, my, my high school teammate, Kyle Soper was already on the team. So he helped me a little bit and just kind of gave me some, some guidelines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, um, but, you know, I just, I mean, I worked so freaking hard that, that first year, I, you know, I assumed I wasn't good enough to be there. And, um, and so just, you know, dove into the training, but, and, and I see this with my freshmen now, you know, like, training is just so different. We had a solid high school program, but my body never hurt so bad as it did <laughs> my freshman year of running track and field and lifting weights and all that stuff. And so it was a big shock to the system. Um, you know, but I just knew I just wanted to be there and wanted wanted to, you know, get better and stuff. And, and so, um, you know, I just tried to prove myself every single day. I'm sure there was, you know, um, I don't remember running exceptionally well that first year. Um, I don't remember much about it, but, um, um, you know, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I think it was just a big transition, the, the biggest thing that I remember. Um, but it was a great team atmosphere. I mean, the teams weren't very good. UNM was not very good back then. Um, but it was a big team. Uh, uh-huh. You know, everyone liked each other. Everyone got along. So it, it was really cool. There's a lot of good people on, on those teams. Well,
0: that's awesome. And, in, you know, you talk about that transition. You know, a lot of kids don't have an idea of what that's like to go – you know, to that next level, even, even if they're at like running at a high quality, like you said, when you start adding on that other stuff. And, and I mean, again, this was the late nineties. I mean, things have changed a lot in the last 20 years even, but you know, when you start adding on weights and all that, when, you know, a lot of the track programs, I mean, we, we definitely get in there. I know we do, but you know, you're kind of crunched for time as well. So it's, it's, uh, just a whole other level.
1: Yeah, and I I try to warn my freshmen now um, in a positive way because I'm trying to recruit them to come to UAB. So you want to make it sound good, but um, you know I just try to um, I just try to let them know that like it's just different and and it's it's harder work, but it's stuff that you can do because people do it every single year. People have done it before you, and they're going to do it after you. So so it's okay. You just have to, and I think you just have to check on them a lot more, make sure those freshmen are okay, and you know, they're you know, if they want to be there, they're going to work hard for you. But um, you have to make sure that they're handling the transition well, because uh, some of them struggle a little bit more than others. So it's always, um, I always try to remember that whenever I'm talking to my freshmen.
0: So I definitely want to continue with your career arc there. But, you know, you talked about your experience walking on to UNM and like not even knowing what to do. Do you get any kids like that now where they come into you like, I, I want to walk on and, and how does that work at your program now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, we we get so many emails yeah. and things like that from athletes that just, you know, want to keep doing it. And, and of course, you know, it's, it's there is a business aspect to it. So you have to find out if, if what they've done, you know, um, grades, grades. Um, if they are a good fit or not, and so you know, usually through email. Gosh, you know, back in the day, how uh, <laughs> people did it, but you know, now you just get some emails and you reply back to as many of them as you can. And um, but we do have some that um, that are, are good enough to maybe be on the team and walk on, and and you just kind of treat them like a normal recruit. I think in a lot of ways is try to give them a realistic expectation of of, of what to expect. Um, we have had some that just wander in the office. Um, and say, I want to be on the team. I'm like, okay, well, you know, sit down. And, and, and I try to make it sound hard, but I also, I'm trying to be realistic to them. Like, this right. isn't just, this isn't your high school team. This isn't, um, intramurals. You know, like, we have a job to do. These athletes are on scholarship, they have a job to do. And, and, and I think, you know, sometimes, most of the time, it opens their eyes that, um, you know, they're like, oh, well, I ran, you know, 65 in high school in the 400. I'm like, okay, well, our athletes come through the first lap of an 864, 63, you know, like, so I try to make it pretty realistic. Um, right. and, um, and, and, that way, like I don't waste their time and vice versa and stuff like that. So we, we definitely get a lot of that and, you know, but um, we have a lot of good walk-ons on our team that sometimes you just want to give them a chance. And I don't know if I have a soft heart for that or not, but, um, <laughs> uh, we have kids that, you know maybe we're not good enough to ever really score at the conference meet but if they're good hard working kids and they they are talented enough to keep up on our team and and you know improve and you know become a sub 15 second 100 you know, meter hurdler or something like that like I'll coach them all day long as long as they're good kids and they're willing to work hard
0: that's awesome and that's great to hear you know it, it's um i know a lot of kids get intimidated by that of like i'm i'm not good enough to run at the next level i'm not good enough i'm like well you just gotta find the right spot and yeah. see if that if that can work out for you or not. But there's a place for everybody if if you want it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And especially if women's programs, because there's so many more in the country and you know, people Obviously, you want to go to a UNM, a, a UAB, an Alabama because they're bigger name schools. But if you if you really, really want to run um, and compete, there are places to go. Um, you have to be willing to go to those places. But um, right. there's, there's a lot of them out there. D2, and there's good D2 schools, good D3 schools. I mean, you ran to Adams State. You know, like there's there's some really good programs out there that um, uh, NAIA schools that do a really good job. You just got to kind of find them. And uh, the Internet should make it easier. Um, gosh, <laughs> And I don't
0: remember how it worked in my day, but um,
1: yeah, they're out there.
0: Yeah, I, I <laughs> you know, back in those late '90s, it was the internet, but it wasn't it wasn't what it is now. You know, yeah. trying to find information on programs and this and that, and following what people were running was was still hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless it was a big name, you know, if it was big name school or something, you get some results or big yeah. name person, but outside of that it was yeah <laughs> yeah newspapers <laughs> yeah it was fun trying though <laughs> absolutely yeah so you, you know you talk about walking on to UNM you know that first year really working hard trying to make that transition what, what was that second year like um, not not
1: good. Um, I, I got I start out the year a little injured. I think I overtrained in the summer. I was real motivated after that first year, and so I think I just overtrained. And uh, when I got to to my second year, um, just kind of showed up banged up, and you know I had little injuries here and there. Never quite got got on track training wise, and and then personally I was going through a lot of really rough things with my family and and some other things like that, and so um, I. You know, just didn't have a very good year. I was in a really bad living situation. Um, uh, this is a little bit of UNM trivia. Um, I um, my second year, they had cut the wrestling team, the men's gymnastics, and men's women men's swimming and diving. Yeah. So there's all these men's athletes that were still on scholarship if you chose to stay, but didn't have to do anything. Well, I lived with a couple of them, so,
0: wow.
1: um, so it was a pretty rough time, um, and uh, just not not very conducive to. Um, you know, track success for sure or academic success. And so, you know, about halfway through the year, I was just kind of fed up with everything. And like I said, my my family, had I have family in East Tennessee and and, uh, my uncle had recently moved back to Knoxville and it just had always been my dream to go to Tennessee. And so, you know, as as rough as that last year for me at at UNM was, it made it pretty easy for me to decide just to kind of pack up my car and drive to Knoxville. So that's what I did.
0: That's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. Not a lot of people would take that, that jump even with family there. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I remember that time, those UNM cuts, that was, that was huge at the time. I remember that because the, if I remember correctly, the gymnastics program was pretty good. I, I feel like this, the swim and dive program was pretty decent as well. And I think so. Yeah,
1: I really don't remember how good they But, you know, they were I think they were pretty successful. Um, right. But that was just a time when universities were trying to keep up with Title nine or, or right. keep up trying to reinforce it finally for the first time. And so, um, you know, UNM was just that was just part of what was going on around the NCAA. Um, a lot of men's programs and different sports being cut left and right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that was it was uh, man, so crazy. And then obviously we've seen that again recently with men's track programs you know being cut and some of them getting reinstated and stuff but that's it's it's hard yeah definitely hard to see so uh, the other thing you talked about was was that summer training and that's you know to me is always so interesting you know again coming from a distance background you know what that what summer training looks like for a sprinter because obviously they're not going out and just you got to go hammer your miles and get some hills and you know all that all that stuff it's it's completely different and you know what does that look like you know maybe for your program now sure. yeah
1: i will probably tell too much about myself so it's one thing <laughs> that i remember was that i just you know our season ended and i was super motivated and so i remember walking into the coach's yeah. office you know within a, a week or two after the season and like what do we need to do and rightfully so he said just go home and hang out, like, relax. He, my sprint coach, his name is Milt Audie. Um, he was uh, an Olympic high jumper for Canada and was a, a multiple time national champion for Utah. He was, so he knew what he was doing. Um, and I try to tell my athletes the same thing. Like as soon as our season's over with, like take a couple weeks off, like don't do anything. Um, I tell them after about two weeks, um, get active again, go ride a bike, go, go climbing, um, swim, if you like to swim, if you like playing basketball, play basketball, just don't get hurt, you know, things like that. So that way they have a full month of like non track related things. Right. Um, you know, um, and he told me the same thing probably, but I didn't really listen. I, so I, I was going out to the, um, the soccer fields in the football fields right next to the track at UNM and, and I just ran my tail off every day, um, at some point he probably gave me workouts. I don't remember what they were, but, um, I just went out there and ran pretty hard, um, and, and ran a lot and, and enjoyed doing it. But I think it was just too much. I think my body needed a real rest and I never really gave it that.
0: That's, that's crazy. And then that makes sense. You know, like you, you're trying you're trying to get in, you're trying to be, you know, fulfill that dream and, and see yourself in that better spot. And so it's hard to then say, well, if I don't do anything, I'm going to, I'm going to fall behind. I'm already yeah. behind. I'm going to fall behind more. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, I have a lot of my, a lot of opinions about training and things like that, but like I had, I had a walk on just the other day, come up to me and ask if she needed or could do a bunch of hurdle drills on her day off. I'm like, no, she's like, well, what do I need to do? I said, just do what I ask you to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think there's this, this idea with training, no not matter what the sport is every day you get up and grind. I'm like, you can't grind every day. The body isn't built that way. We're not this in the 1600s farming. You know, like we, we don't have to do that anymore. And especially for performance, you, you you definitely don't want to do that. And so, um, you know, and I I, just, I didn't know any better back then. I just thought you just got to keep working hard and stuff like that. And that mindset, there's nothing wrong with it. But you just got to be smart about it and take the days off when you need to. Take you know ten days off after a distance running season, whatever you got to do. And right. and then just kind of be smart about it because you know trying to hurdle on a day off is not what you're supposed to do. If you're trying to run fast the next day, you know?
0: Right. Right. And we know now, like how important that rest is to, to the body recovering and then, and building, you know, yeah. you need that it's not just about having the time off to then be able to perform the next day, but it's actually helping your, your body get stronger. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> It's just, yeah, so um, I, I did it the wrong way for sure.
1: Um, and, but you know, that thing, all those hopefully helped me, you know, now in my career cause I really try to tell them and a lot of my athletes, I mean, you know, as soon as that season's over with, it's a long track season. College track is a long season from September to, to May or June. And so, um, I think a lot of them are, are willing to take that time off, <laughs> but you know, some of them, you know, especially the young ones, you know, they, they're used to summer track or whatever. and They, they, I mean, we have several uh, or at least one a year say like, well, should I be doing something like summer track? I'm like, no, don't do summer track. (laughs) You know, uh, occasionally there's some summer track coaches that they go that they train with at home. And I'm like, I don't care if you go to the, the track with them, but do what I'm asking you to do. Don't hop in with, with this summer track coach that has no idea what you've done the last nine months. And so right. there's some, some of those stern conversations just to make sure they're ready to go the next year. I tell them every, every year like the summer, yes you need to train. Like we once we start doing something in July, I want them to accelerate one day. I want them to I'll call it tempo work. I they run hundreds in the grass, you know, it's not it's not super hard. Um, and um, and then try to do some lifting, you know. Um, and we progress that throughout the summer and add a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I tell them their job is to um, show up in August healthy and ready to start training. And ready to start training means you, ha- you can't sit on your butt all, all summer long. You, know, you got to do something. Uh, Lifting is probably the big, most important thing. But I, I, I say that acceleration is like a, a basketball player's jump shot. Like they, they shoot jump shots all year long. That's something they can if they can always lean on that needs to be a sprinter's acceleration. And so we accelerate at least once or twice a week in grass, of course, um, during the summer. And then one other day of kind of hard running, you know, but they just need
0: to show up ready to uh, healthy and ready to run. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, um, you know, you talked about, again, the, you know, how long that, that season is. And, you know, that's another big transition from high school to, to college you know i i don't know how many states you know have an indoor season i know that there's obviously a few but you know in new mexico we we don't there's a couple of indoor high school meets you know here and here on our you know the the great indoor track we have yeah. but it's not really a season it's just kids going out and you know whoever signs up signs up kind of thing yeah and so they don't really know what that's like to <laughs> have that you know like you said from september re- being ready to go and then that transition to outdoor is, is pretty quick. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And
1: I think the biggest difference also, cause they're especially here in the South and up in the Northeast, there's more and more States that do have a full indoor season. So they're a little more used to it, but I think the biggest difference is the fact that we start five days a week in like August 28th, you know, and usually, you know, they do take some time off. They go to their club track and in, in October, twice a week or whatever, you know, and so it's just not full time yet, you know, and so right. I think that that's the biggest um, transition is, you know, lifting three days a week and training five days a week from early from Labor Day all the way through May that, that takes a toll on their body and just the transition to college itself is a massive transition. Um, right. And I think that side, whether that's mental or academic, whatever you want to call it, that probably takes a bigger toll uh, or as big a toll at least as the the physical side.
0: Right. So <clears throat> getting back kind of to your your career, you left UNM, went out to Tennessee. Did you have dreams of trying to walk on to their track program at all or, or were you ready to kind of move on? Yeah, um,
1: I did not have dreams of it. And honestly, this it sounds so silly now, um, but especially about with what I'll, I'll add in in a minute. I didn't know they were any good at track at <laughs> all. No clue. I was a Tennessee football fan. Um, that's it. Um, you know, I, I assumed they had a track team. I didn't know. I had no idea. And um, but I had just gotten just out of shape enough. And I think kind of burnt out that um, I never really thought about trying to walk on. Um, and really, you know, I showed up there my degree path or what I thought I wanted to be at UNM was just to be a, a coach. My, my parents were both educators. I figured I, I would really like to teach and coach. Um, I just kind of felt like I had a bug to, to coach. And so at Tennessee, it really wasn't much different. I didn't know how to get started on it really. Um, and actually I bugged the, um, director, um, I'm trying to think of his title, uh, basically the director of operations for football, for the football team that had, two years removed from a national championship and I was just going to go out and volunteer like, Hey, I just I'm willing to help. Well, they're, they're not going to return my call. They're not, (laughs) I even went to the office and they're like, no, he's not here. So David Blackburn, he's been an AD all over the country since then. But, um, um, so struck out there, um, and, uh, just called up the track coach. His name is Bill Webb. He was the track coach for a long time, won multiple national championships there. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, knowing Bill as I do now, he quickly passed me off to the sprint coach. He's, he was a, (laughs) he is a phenomenal decathlete coach and, and throws coach. And so he passed me off to Vince Anderson, um, the sprint coach. And Vince is just a wonderful human being and, uh, and welcomed me. Yeah. Come on out, whatever you got to do. And so I just, uh, volunteered with him, literally just walked out to practice every day. And if he told me to move that cone and move this hurdle, that's what I did and, just tried to pick it up as best i could and learn as much as i could
0: what was that like that transition kind of coming from you know running d1 you know maybe not where you wanted to be and then walking on it and being an assistant and and kind of learning you know about the coaching side of it because i know when when you're in it and you're an athlete, you don't necessarily always think about that side of like the structure of things or why are we doing this, this day? Like you just, yeah. sometimes you just get it done. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, uh, like I said, Milt Audi was my sprint coach at, at UNM, but he was a high jumper, an Olympic high jumper. So, you know, I'm, uh, high jumpers know how to sprint too, but um, <laughs> I don't think they taught it very well. So I don't feel like I really learned about sprinting at UNM I just worked really hard here's hard workouts do them um right. that's not I'm sure they're better coaches than that but I just I, at the time I didn't know any better I spent one day with Vince Anderson and I got it wow. and, and that has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with the amazing teacher that he is um uh you know he long time great assistant at Texas A&M he's a clinician now coaches pros and Olympians I mean he's he's a phenomenal coach um and I think the big, next biggest thing was that. So my first day, kind of helping them, was in, in early January of two thousand and one, um, and there was a freshman named Justin Gatlin on that team, who went wow. on to be six time NCAA champion, Olympic um, gold medalist. I mean, one of the, regardless of what people feel about him, he was one. He's one of the greatest sprinters of all time. Right. Um, And the team itself ended up going on to win a national championship outdoors at at the University of Oregon um, later that um, that June, and won an SEC championship. So I literally fell in backwards to the best team in the country. Um, (laughs) um, Future Olympians, I mean, there's I know three Olympic gold medalists just from that squad, or for my years there, or whatever. Um, So you know, just the environment was so much bigger and and operate on a different level and, and the, the, the coaching was that much better. And so, um, you know, I, I, really learned so much just about kind of the basic mechanics of sprinting and stuff like that. And, um, a lot of the technical stuff just from being at, at practice every single day. Um, and so it was just, it was so different, um, than any, you know, it just, it reinforced, I think that, this is what I want to do, coaching wise. It, it never got me thinking, like, oh, well, now I know how to sprint. I want to come out of retirement. It, it that never crossed my mind. I just, I was just trying to eat it up, all the knowledge, to try to become a, figure out how to coach. You know,
0: right? It uh, sounds like, I mean, such a fantastic, like you said, just place to fall, fall backwards into, just, yeah. you know, a, a perfect situation of just being able to see what it takes to be at that at that highest level. Yeah. And um, that is just, I, I, am I, I mean, you, you, I can hear it in your voice, but I mean, that's just, it's just something special that not a lot of people it get. Was. I mean, it, there's the guys on
1: that team or, or on those teams, I was there for, for four full years are still brothers to this day. I mean, the brotherhood, that university of Tennessee men's track and field, they had a split program back then um, um, that it was for a very long time was very, very special. I've, you know, encountered tough times in my own career and I've had guys from those teams that I hadn't talked to in 20 years reach out to me and call me and just, hey, man, we're, we're thinking of you, stuff like that. Um, it was definitely a special brotherhood. But they were just really good. You know, they were the best athletes and the best coaches. And, you know, we were flying across the country to meets and winning NCAA championships and, and all that stuff, being around, you know, other future pros and, and Olympians. And so it was just operating at such a high level that um, – that it just, I mean, it made it fun. I mean, flat out, it was, it was awesome. Um, (laughs) so, I mean, and I think that's one thing we sometimes forget about as coaches, like sometimes it needs to be fun. You know, obviously our goal is to be good, but, um, having good people and try doing it really well. Um, hopefully everyone's enjoying it because that's what makes it where, you know, people want to become coaches or, or continue on past college or whatever, because they're having fun and they're
0: enjoying it. No, and that makes a lot of sense. And that's again, like, seeing it from that level and being able to be at that level and see, like you can be good and still have fun to make sure that people want to continue to come back and want to be a part of the program. And it's, it's not going to be easy, but (laughs) it's not going to be just terrible, you know, the whole way through, like we got to grind things out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so I also saw in your, uh, your little kind of bio thing on on the school site that you coached, uh, Knoxville Track Club as well.
1: Yeah, so the Knoxville Track Club was just a, a large running organization there in Knoxville, but they had a huge, huge, um, pretty nationally prominent um, AAU youth track club, okay. and uh, they practiced there at the University of Tennessee's track every summer. And um, several of the uh, um, athletes from Tennessee were involved in helping coach and everything. So it was just a very um, cohesive uh, partnership, I guess. Um, I mean, even the guy who ran it at the time had run at Tennessee back in the 70s and 80s and all this stuff. And so um, one of the um, hurdlers on the team who's, who's a head coach at an NAIA school now, um, he knew I wanted to be in coaching and so and I give him a lot of credit for my career because he always kind of encouraged me in certain areas that I just didn't know any better. And so he said nice. to help coach and he had been doing it for a couple of years. And so I, I said, OK, so I just kind of followed whatever he did and um, and just kind of helped coach them for, I guess, two summers. Um, and, um, you know, it made me have to really put some thought into coaching people. Um, you know, it's easy when you see. You know, NCAA champion type guys doing stuff every day, and you're like, "Oh, you just do what they do." But all of a sudden, I, I hand ten year old boys sprinters, um, a couple of of which end up being pretty solid Division one distance runners later on. So you know, like <laughs> ten, you just do whatever. And um, and uh, looking back, I probably didn't do a very good job coaching them. I just, you know, I, I was I was so used to what the college guys did. I you know, um, I probably could have done a little bit better job with the kids, but, but you you have to do it. You have to, you have to be there with them warming up. You have to get them from the warm up area at AAU nationals in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and get, cart all these kids over to the track. And, you know, so it was my first real foray into, into coaching, uh, with the, with the youth kids.
0: Well, that sounds like fun. I think, uh, coaching kids is, is tough, <laughs> uh, but. At the same time, like it, it, like you said, it makes you kind of change how you think mm-hmm. about things. And you definitely have to have that fun component in there because yeah. they need that.
1: And I missed that. Like, I, I just wasn't thinking about that. I'm like, oh, we've got to run 150s today. Right. Well, you can probably like shorten it, make it a relay, make them just run back and forth a million times. And, right. you know, they have fun and get better at it. And I just, I, I didn't know any better at the time. So um, yeah, now now look at because my sons run youth track in the summer, and you know watch what they do, and I'm like, yeah, I probably be a little bit better now than I was back then.
0: Hopefully. <laughs> well, and, and and at the same point, I think you know we all grow in in different areas. You know, what you're doing now, I'm sure, is a lot different than, um, or at least modified from when you you know f- first took over the program. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I look back at some of those uh, workouts from my start of my coaching career and I'm like, I don't know, my kids nowadays may not survive um, <laughs> what I used to have them do. And and back then I just didn't know any better. And I think kids are a little bit different these days. You know, athletes are a little bit different. So uh, you have to adapt and hopefully I've gotten smarter too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we all hope that one, right? <laughs> yeah. So after you left Tennessee, um, where'd you end up at? So I graduated from Tennessee, spent four great
1: years there, Um, ended up going to Mississippi State. Um, You know, again, Tennessee did so many things for me. I I knew I wanted to coach, met a lot of people. Um, There's a guy who runs a pretty prominent timing company called Delta Timing. And um, his wife had coached at Tennessee. He ran this timing company. He used to come into the gym that I worked at. And he just asked me. So he'd always come in and just knew uh, knew me from track from Tennessee track. So we just chit chat about track all the time. And finally, he just said, "I think he was looking for young workers. I think he needed like <laughs> someone to lift all his heavy stuff." Is probably what it was. <laughs> but so he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said I want to coach. And he he asked me like, "Well, how are you going to go about that?" So he he kind of advised me. He handed me some phone numbers of, of several head coaches: uh, one at Florida, one at Georgia Tech. Um, I forget where else, and then Mississippi State. So I contacted all those schools, and they did not have any spots open. And um, and I remember it was September of my senior year, so it was kind of the start of my senior year at Tennessee. Mississippi State called back and said, yep, we got a spot for you. Um, They needed a graduate assistant the following year. So um, kind of from then on, I was preparing to go to Starkville, Mississippi. Um, And so I kind of had my plan set out for me. I ended up having to take the GRE and, and all those things and get into grad school. And so I ended up at Mississippi State. Uh, that first year, I was I was a graduate assistant for the men's sprint program that was really good. We had, I mean, besides Tyson Gay, we had the second best sprinter in the country. Um, wow. and they all came from Barton together. Um, and so Arkansas had, had Tyson and Wallace Spears. We had Steve Mullins, who's a Jamaican guy, um, and a couple other really good sprinters. And Mississippi state had done a really good job with their men's sprint program. Um, and so, uh, Steve Dudley was the one who, who brought me along and he was the men's sprint coach at the time. And so I went down there as a graduate assistant for the first year. And again, you know, as, as different as, uh, UNM to Tennessee was, I think, even though Mississippi state was still operating at a pretty high level on the men's sprint side. And they had a couple of NCAA champions and all Americans, the way everything functioned was so different than Tennessee and not in a bad way, just so different. And Steve Dudley is so different than Vince Anderson. And so um, it was a little bit of a shock. I I think I kind of thought, well, Vince's way is the only way. And, And so I was really baffled by all the stuff that Steve was having um, all the guys do. Um, but Steve came from a distance background. He was a grinder and a half. Those guys were tough as nails that the athletes themselves um, and Steve Dudley taught me a lot about pushing, pushing buttons in a good way, you know, kind of, kind of testing athletes. He was also getting very different athletes. He was having, I mean, I learned how to, you know, recruit guys from JUCO that were not going to be eligible. And somehow you figure out a way to get them eligible legally, of course. Um, and so, like, <laughs> I just learned so much. I think I learned more about the recruiting process and and that part of coaching than I did at Tennessee. Tennessee was all on the track, sprint mechanics, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and at Mississippi State, it was a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that um, was really invaluable and even some tidbits about workouts with 400 meter guys that I picked up from, from coach Dudley that, that, you know, Vince had a lot of really good 400 meter runners, but it was just a different version. It was more of a long to short type of thing uh, for sure. But um, so, it was a very valuable time. Uh, I spent three years in Mississippi state and I was, again, just right place, right time. Very lucky to be there. Um, This my set, the start of my second year, Um, I think they interviewed several other people for a full-time coaching position and I don't know why, but they couldn't hire anyone. And so it was, it was September and I was already coaching the women's sprinters and the men's and women's jumpers. Um, I was already training them for fall training myself. And so the head coach, Al Schmidt, um, who's a great man and a great distance coach, um, just asked me, do you want the job? And, (laughs) you know, I was literally in the middle of practice and I was like, uh, yeah, of course. And so I had to you know go home and figure out a resume real quick and interview with the um, SWA, uh, the senior woman administrator who's still there, I believe, Ann Carr and um, kind of went from there. And so I got hired full time at the start of my second year. And, and I went from being a graduate wow. student and just coaching some kids, you know, um, that they told me to coach. To like a week later, having to take the recruiting test and driving to a, a young lady's house and trying to convince her that she did not want to go to LSU, she wanted to come to Mississippi <laughs> State. So I literally wow. just dove into the deep end of of that world. And um, again, it was it was I learned a lot. Um, you know, it was a lot of grinding. But I was young and single, you know, and I, didn't, I had a lot of time on my hands. So it was it was fine. It, it was kind of what you do at the time whenever you're starting a career
0: right wow that's that's a that's amazing that is uh i i can i can't even imagine (laughs) i was just trying to keep up i i you know yeah
1: yeah looking back i'm like i don't know how i did it but you just say yes yes sir and and you just keep up you know and try to figure it out
0: well i mean and and it again like i mean like you talked about it's something you knew you wanted to do and here you are presented with this opportunity. So, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to take it, you know, yeah. but just just the way of it just kind of, of happening like that, just almost being in, again, just happening to be in the right the right place in the right time. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I, I, I look back and I'm so grateful and thankful for all the people that kind of, you know, helped me along the way that like <laughs> I have to remember that now whenever I hire young coaches or hire new coaches or whatever that – and there's a lot of people that gave me a chance that there's no reason they needed to they didn't have to give me a chance. Um, I mean, you know, when Al Schmidt who had been there for 25 years, handed me the women's sprinters and then hired me a a month or two later and just trusted me to coach the kids. And, you know, I, I think that he knew that I was going to work really hard at it, but he just left me alone and I, I definitely made some mistakes and, you know, and they, they would be there to be like, Hey, well, why don't you think about this? But he, they just let me do it, you know, and, and, you know, just try to learn, um, by, uh, by doing, I guess. And, and I think they realized I wasn't like doing it poorly or, or, or right. wrong. It, it was just, they just let me coach and let me write my workouts and let me have my group. And, um, and, and I'm super thankful for that. I, I need to remember that more as I'm hiring, as I get older and I'm having to hire younger <laughs> people, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hire someone to let to, for them to do a job and I need to let them do that job. And, um, So you know, I'm very grateful for those opportunities. That they just trust me for some reason,
0: right? Well, <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you, you know, how does that work now? Because you know, it can be tough to just kind of let those reins go and and put that trust into someone. Like this is what I'm expecting for my program, and I'm going to trust you to go do that.
1: Yeah, I think there's an evolution as as a coach, or as a head coach, especially because I I became a head coach at a pretty young age, and so I think I was, you know. Um, I was always maybe a little worried that I didn't want to hire someone that's so much older than me that knows more than me, um, that would maybe try to take my job or something, you know? So I was very careful about who I was interviewing and, and all that. so of course you want to get someone who you think can do a good job and, and make us, make us good, um, Now that I'm a little bit older, I think that's evolved to where just about everyone that I'm going to interview is quite a bit younger than me. Um, And so you try to look for some of those traits of hardworking. And, you know, obviously, do they know the X's and O's? Of course. Um, But also, like, I think this day and age, like, how are they going to treat the the athletes? Like, what is their philosophy and mindset of a lot of the things of how we treat the kids every day? Um, That really was the sounds bad. I don't think that was a worry 15 or 20 years ago, how you treat your kids. It didn't matter how are you going to get them faster is what mattered and you know you could have right. them run 2200s and and it didn't matter because that was what coach said and but nowadays there's a lot more that goes into it i think and so um so you try to match up those philosophies with with my own and make sure the kids are going to get treated well and and um and so you know we i've been lucky to have some really good young assistants now and um that are they're probably smarter than me. And and that's the other thing. I married someone smarter than me and that I I want to try to hire people smarter than me so they can do a really good job (laughs) of, you know, make my life a little
0: bit easier. That makes sense. You got to surround yourself with good people (laughs) to make you look good. (laughs) That's great. So how did you end up, you know, your assistant at Mississippi state, how did you then end up over at UAB?
1: Yeah, um, the head coach just called me up. I actually, this I thought about this a couple of weeks ago when you and I were trying to set this up. Um, and so it's a cool story that ties into New Mexico. Um, I had come to the realization, because I'd gone to Mississippi State for grad school, so that's a two-year deal. Well, then i get hired, spend three years there. I'd come to this realization that I was going to be in Starkville a lot longer than I had planned to. And I was okay with it. I, um, got a dog, uh, lo- <laughs> loved small time in Starkville, so I was okay with being there a little bit longer. Um, I was doing a level three pole vault clinic um, attending and it was at UNM. So it was an yeah. easy thing for me. Hey, I'm going to go do this level three and, um, um, and, and then go camping with my brother. So we went camping up in the uh, Jemez mountains after the clinic was over with. And, you know, we're up there, you know, hanging out in the Springs and just camping for a couple of days and, you know, go figure we ran out of something. So we had to drive into Los Alamos, and so I finally got cell service and I saw that I had some uh, voicemails and um, uh, the coach from UAB, his name is Ray Stanfield. I, I didn't know him at the time, but he knew obviously of Mississippi State. And, and I think that there was a connection with some of his former coaches um, and some of the Mississippi State people. Um, so um, he had called me up and just said he's, he's interested in talking to me. I, I think I called him while I was there and just told him I'm, I'm out of town. I'll call him when I get back. Um but I'd never really been asked for a job before, you know, at Mississippi state, I was just kind of said, you know, Hey, do you want it? And so it was kind of exciting and intriguing that someone was like coming after me a little bit. And, um, and, you know, Starkville is a really small place. I had to drive two hours to get on a plane just to go to Albuquerque to see my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think just the idea of being closer to a bigger city, um, people my age to hang out with and meet and stuff. And so it was just kind of intriguing. Um, so, um, end up getting, you know, um, getting back and interviewing and, um, uh, eventually getting the job. And, um, again, I think, I, I, I didn't even think that it was a women's only program like that. None of that had crossed my mind. Like, well, what are the pros? and cons? I'm like, this seems like a good deal. Um, I think because it was women's only program, he was the head coach. I was going to be his second man in charge. And, and I think, I was definitely a little man on the totem pole at mississippi state which was fine because i, I love the people i worked with but i think just the idea of having a little more i guess authority or um or just kind of being more important in a program or whatever was kind of cool and um again i was 28 so you know it was just like yeah it sounds like a cool thing to do so just kind of um took the job and moved to birmingham and uh i guess august of 07.
0: wow wow that's uh again like you're these kind of leaps of faith almost of like yeah i'm going to try this out or this is going to work out is pretty pretty interesting you know following this cuz again you, you know you could have stayed in a maybe not the place you wanted to be but it was a comfortable situation you knew what yeah. it was what the setup was and everything so you know what what was that situation like with with that coach now and you know was it another kind of completely different system and learning that style
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. They're all so different. Um, (laughs) Ray's Ray's a a good coach and and a good man. And I think he um, definitely wanted to be hands off. I mean, he was definitely in charge of everything, but he just wanted someone to go out there and coach the the team. And, um, and so, um, you know, and I was kind of second in charge. So he would ask me a lot about my opinions about stuff. And so I think I learned a lot from him about, this will sound weird, um, not necessarily about being a head coach, but about decision making. Okay. Um, um, because I would, I would do something probably wrong. And he would say, no, man, you, you can't do it like that. You gotta, you gotta think about this too. And just because at Mississippi state, I was so young and so new. I literally just kind of recruited and coached the girls, the, the, the people that I, the athletes. And so, um, so I didn't have to make a lot of decisions. I was a low man on the totem pole. There was five other coaches to do all that stuff. So all of a sudden at, at UAB, um, I was in on decision-making for a lot more stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, but the, the biggest difference for me, and, and that year was rough in, in this one, one sense. Um, we, he was a head coach, and he was a distance coach. He had an assistant that was also a distance coach. There was supposed to be a GA come and help me with the, the jumps and multis, and she didn't show up. And so I was end up coaching the other 14 events. Wow. So I I literally just coached everybody all day, um, every day, and which was cool in its own way. I mean, I was coaching, we had a couple of good multis. Um, We we didn't have any throwers because we didn't have a track at the time. We didn't have a real track. We had a square practice track, um, believe it or not. (laughs) And and here's a kicker from the, the start mark to the 200 meter mark. It was about 10 feet uphill. Um, and that's a track we had at UAB for about 10 years for my first nine, nine years or so of being at UAB, we wow. had a square uphill track. And of course the other side was downhill. Um, so when I got hired, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, if he interviewed anyone else, but like when I got hired, they were paving the square track and I, I didn't care. Oh, okay, whatever. You know, like I'd come from Tennessee, and Mississippi state. I, I just didn't care. I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Um, but I inherited some really good kids. Um, they, they were well coached by a man named Andy Eggerth who had come before me, who's been a long time head coach other places and been super successful. Um, so they're well trained, had some talented on the team. And so we were really good. We, you know, had I had two or three conference champions that year and scored a whole bunch of points at indoor and outdoor conference. So it was, it was an easy transition because we were pretty good and the kids just did what I asked them to do. Um, but I just, I mean, all I did, I was out, on the track coaching for six hours a day, seven hours a day. And so, so that was, that was kind of tough. Um, um, but again, you know, just kind of part of the decision-making process was, was interesting. And, and then the next year he, Ray knew that I couldn't do that again, you know, for multiple years. And so he hired a coach to help coach the jumps in the multis. Um, and that worked out really well because she is now the head coach at Vanderbilt. Uh, her name's oh, Althea wow. She was a ran at LSU. Was an out Birmingham running, you know, um, hero back in the day. Um, she's about our age, and um, so she, she she that was her first coaching gig. And so she came in, really helped me recruit, really helped me uh, coach the kids up, and we got along really well, and made my life a little bit easier.
0: That's fantastic. That is that's an intense first year. <laughs> oh there, yeah, right? that yeah. is wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, again, like you talked about, the seasons basically starting in August and going through May to June. That is a that's a long of lot of long days and a lot of it was uh,
1: you know. But again, you're young and you you don't you don't think twice about it. You just do right. it. You know, I've talked to a handful of young coaches at the coaches convention or other other places, and you know, um, you know, most people's first job or something like that is kind of a crappy job you know, or just like a grind, you know, they're a GA they're, they're at a three school and they're having a coach, they're a distance runner, but they're having to coach throwers, you know, something right. where you're out of your comfort zone so much and you just don't know any better. And now I couldn't do it now that I'm 43, <laughs> but when you're 28, like, you just don't think about
0: it. You just do it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that is, that is fantastic. I mean, again, I'm sure you, you had all this different experience. You know that I'm sure helped you out with that, and then and then gaining that experience as well, and being able to kind of help in in so many different areas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's also a positive thing.
1: Yeah, well, and it 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 kind of prepared me. Um, You know, I guess all these experiences uh, they're supposed to prepare you for something. Um, But you know, after two years, Ray decided to retire and go back to Texas, and you know, again, right place, right time. The admin at UAB just trusted Ray. Ray put in a good word for me. So in, I guess, technically June or so July of Oh nine, I became interim head coach and, uh, had to hire my first coach. Um, you know, I was, maybe I turned 30 that summer. Like I became interim head coach and turned 30 at the same time. Um, wow. and, um, You know, and then about uh, a year and a half later, they took the the interim tag off me and became full time head coach and, you know, been there ever since. But again, that was just another you get thrown in the deep end, you know, all of a sudden (laughs) like he's in charge and then he leaves and said, now you're in charge. And um, again, Althea, who's who's a great coach and super smart woman, um, was one of my assistants. I, I hired someone who's a great friend to this day to be my distance coach. His name is Blake Bolden. He is currently the, the um, uh, director of Drake Relays. Oh, wow. Um, and just a good friend of mine to this day. And um, so uh, he had been coaching at Iowa State and then and um, uh, and trying to run pros, kind of like a volunteer coach at Iowa State and trying to run pros. So this is his first full time gig himself. Wow. Um, and so, you know, two smart, really smart people, highly motivated. Um, and, you know, I, I t- told him the first, Staff me and I was like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to work super hard. And between the three of us, we're going to figure it all out, which is probably not what they want to hear when it's like their (laughs) first coaching gig. They want leadership and all this stuff. And, (laughs) um, and I, you know, I, I didn't have all the answers, but I, I knew from my experiences what, you know, what I'd been through. And so you just try to make the best decisions you can. And, try to not mess it up too much. And, and again, having to, we we're all the same age. I think we're all right. about 42, 43 years old now. So at the time we were all the same age. So, so, you know, we were um, motivated and, and um, hardworking and smart and they're, they're smart. And, um, <laughs> and so it, it turned out pretty good. We had a pretty good thing going for, for about two years.
0: What, how long did it take you? I mean, again, you had been an assistant for a long time. You'd been in charge of programs, but I feel like there's kind of a difference, you know, when you become the the head guy and it's all on you and you, you've talked about your middle school coach, your high school coach, you know, all these coaches you've had along the way that have helped influence you, you know, when you became a head coach, how did that kind of, I guess, morph together, come together into like molding into who you were as a coach?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it took a lot of time, um, partially because, you know, uh, there were so many things that went on those first couple of years of being a head coach. I um, got married, had my first child, you know, hiring two, you know, enthusiastic coaches. Uh, the Birmingham Crossplex opens up like two years later. I'm having to figure out how to put on my own indoor meets, um, have my second child. Like, it's just this world <laughs> of, of things that, you know, um, that I was just trying to do the job. Right. And, and just coach and figure out all this administrative stuff and hire a couple of coaches. I, you know, um, Blake left to take a job at Penn. And so I had to hire a new coach and then Althea left. So I had to hire a new coach. So, you know, you're hiring people, all the stuff. And so really it was just kind of about coaching the, the kids and, and, and doing all the, the stuff it takes to run a program. Um, and so I, I probably didn't do a very good job of trying to connect with the athletes as much. Now we all got along. They, they respected me. They ran hard for me stuff like that. Um, but, um, you know, I don't think I really uh, try to apply some of the things, some of the influences I learned from growing up, um, to that job because I was just trying to do the job. Um, and so it, it probably took some rough years of, you know, having some uh, teams that weren't very good and having some issues, uh, some problems with some assistant coaches. And when you're really having to go through some hard times, to remember like what's important to me what some of these coaches have taught me um you know kind of the integrity part of it and stuff like that that i think um that i had to really lean on whenever sometimes were really rough um and that's probably like life too you know like things are good you know it's like you know you don't think much of it and then all of a sudden things get rough and you have to kind of remember you know where you came from and And some of those things, and um, so um, it it probably took me longer than I wanted to. Uh, But like I said, life was a whirlwind for a while, and and you're just trying to do it all, um, and and just trying to trying to uh, not screw it up.
0: (laughs) I think I think you're right. I think that is kind of just life and (laughs) parenthood. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And just yeah, I mean that makes sense. You know, you just you 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 don't even think about it. It's just, you know, you, you have to sit down and, and almost like, wait, what, what's important? What have I learned before? And, and some of it's just autopilot of, of the things that have been instilled in you from, from that time. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and we all make mistakes too. There's, right. there's been instances with certain individual athletes that at the time I thought I was saying and doing the right thing. And um, you know, Now that i've learned more and hopefully become a better coach i'm like they they were probably right at the time and you know hopefully me realizing that is going to make me a better coach and and work with the future kids better and stuff like that and so you know we, we all make mistakes with athletes here and there i mean even some decisions with with coaching i mean there was situations where there was a really good kid that was coming back from a knee injury i wouldn't have minded bringing her back for her last year but I needed her scholarship because there was another really young, talented athlete that had a possibility of coming to our program. So I made the decision to go with the younger athlete, not the athlete that I didn't know how healthy she was going to be, but she was a good person and she was a hard worker. And I went with the other one and that the, the younger one ended up quitting within a couple of months. And I I could kick myself over it. You know, like it was a wrong decision because I didn't treat the people right. I didn't treat her right. Um, but you know, like in the business sense, like, you know, people get their scholarships cut all the time, you know, for various reasons and you got to bring in the next ones, right? The next ones that are really good. And, and at that point, like it was a wrong decision on my part and
0: I I regret it. And I think that's kind of the, one of the hardest things that I imagine, you know, at that level is is those business decisions of, of, you know, who are you putting your effort in recruiting? the scholarships and who are you giving what to because you only have so much to go around. And I, I, I feel like that's (laughs) the coaching stuff, you know, you, there's so many things you can do and the experiences, but it, you know, making those decisions and, and, you know, how they're going to affect your program down the line.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think, um, having, um, supportive administrations help. I mean, uh, we all want to be good. Um, but I, 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 personally, would rather treat people right and you know, um, give people like opportunities or whatever. Now that doesn't mean that they screw up a lot that I, that <laughs> they shouldn't, you know, be dismissed or whatever. And we've all had to cut people from program or whatever, but, um, but you know, treating people right, I think is a little more important to me than being first place, you know, at the conference championship, we have really good athletes. We, you know, we work really hard and, and we want to be good and we've had some really good teams. Um, but, but I, I like the fact that my administration has always backed me up and, this isn't like, I I wanna treat this kid right. Um, And and sometimes you have to be honest with them, like me treating you right is not the same thing as me doing my job. And so there's a fine line in between there of like, especially with COVID and like the the scholarships, people have five five and six years. And so we've had to make some hard decisions and like, yes, we're bringing you back. No, we're not bringing you back. But you got to be honest with the kids and at the end of the day most of the time if you're pretty honest with them and and they know that you're willing to help them if things work out or if if they don't do their job if they don't pass their classes i can't help you any longer um usually it'll be fine um but um it's um it is it's a hard and some people are good at some people are like nope you're you're you know not doing not cutting it so you're out of here you know i think in the SEC and some of the really big programs, they, they have to be more cutthroat like that. I don't feel like I have to be. Um, I, I get kids that want to be, you know, uh, doctors and, and nurses and stuff like that. They come to UAB to get high-level degrees, and I give them an opportunity to be really good in track and field, and, you know, hopefully everything works out, you know, at, at the top. And um, So we really try to honor that um, and try to give them an opportunity to, to, uh, to be a good student-athlete
0: that's that's fantastic that's a great perspective i think to have on um on your role on things actually
1: <laughs> and i still want to be good like and the, right. like we tell all those things and we're like but you know like our goal is to run fast our goal is to be good our goal is to score points at conference like you have to be on board with that too right. i will i will do everything in my power to help you out um you know at, at the end of the day in, in so many different ways but you have to Live up to your end of the bargain too.
0: Absolutely. So let's uh, let's let's talk about the now. You know we're, we're coming up to about an hour, which is you know usually a good stopping point. But you know I want to talk about you know you've you've already talked. You guys are already in training. I've watched some of the Instagram uh, videos of some of the things you guys are doing now. Uh, you're what a couple of months away from uh, indoor season starting. Yeah, December 2nd. Our
1: first indoor meets December 2nd.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what What are you excited about for this upcoming season?
1: You know, um, so I think the biggest thing is conference realignment is, is affecting us. Um, a couple of teams are not in Conference USA this year. Um, they went ahead and moved. UAB is in its last year being in Conference USA, and then we're moving to the American Athletic Conference next year. Oh, wow. So, there's this kind of big opportunity I feel to go out with a bang. You know, like I I did my best to work the transfer portal this summer to try to find those some of those athletes only have one year left. Like help us one last year in Conference USA and try to score you know five places in the 60 meter hurdles and stuff like that. So um, so we're pretty excited about that last year. I think there's some really good opportunities for us to be successful. Um, I have a pretty good sprint and hurdle group. Um, our, our multi's and jumps group is pretty solid this year. Uh, our distance group, I have a phenomenal distance coach, Maren Lowry. Um, she's doing a really good job with those girls, and um, we have some a lot of young talent. So I think we can be really good this year. I think just kind of the last year in the league is is exciting. Uh, but we're you know the, the athletes we're recruiting, we're trying to recruit towards the the American. So there's a there's a trick to that as well because we feel like they have to be a little bit better. Um, Got it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, the interesting thing, the old Conference USA was really good. You know, Houston, uh, Tulane, UTEP's always been in Conference Tulane. USA, uh, Central Florida. I mean, co- the old Conference USA was really good. Um, now, then Houston and Memphis and some of those schools left um, left us with what we have now, and our conference is still really good. It's very comparable to the Mountain West in a lot of ways but in the the american central florida houston and uh cincinnati are all leaving well they were the bulk of the sprint um sprint events for the past two or three years and so now that they're leaving and then all these conference usa schools are going into the american i feel like it's going to be like kind of the old um conference usa so it won't be drastically different than what i've experienced already um but you still got to recruit towards a a little bit better conference, a little bit different conference. And so, so that's what we're doing. Had a couple of really big recruiting weekends last, um, last couple of weeks and bring a lot of girls in and trying to get them signed here soon. And um, so, you know, it's an exciting last year to be in conference USA. Um, um, You know, a lot of good athletes returning a couple of all conference and conference champion hurdlers. And so just
0: trying to get them fast and try to get them ready. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, that sounds exciting and, and great goals for sure. And, you know, I think that's a, it's a great spot to kind of wrap up with, sure. you know, the, the hope for this this year and, and moving forward. So the last question I have for you is just, you know, what are you listening to to kind of get you pumped, get you ready for practice and, and getting the kids ready? So
1: those are two different questions because <laughs> um, I, you know, I bring a speaker out to like a big speaker out to practice for the girls. Um, but I let them pick their music because like I've tried bringing out some Stevie wonder. I've tried bringing out some <laughs> all Quest, I've, I've tried to do some of those things and they're like, coach, what, what is this? We, we need something else. So they list the trap music a lot. So therefore, yeah. I practice, I listen to trap music. I, I barely know what trap music is. They just kind of tell me what it is. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but that's what they want to listen to, so that's fine. Um, so that's what kind of gets played at practice. Um, my, my tastes are quite a bit different. I mean, I can go – if I was really trying to get pumped up um, myself, it would be Rage Against the Machine. Um, classic. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the 90s. I was a grunge kid, you know, just like a lot of people and so so a lot of that stuff I really like. But, you know, um sometimes when I'm sitting up at practice and having to think a lot and, and and really try to figure out how I want everything set up, um you know, I'll personally listen to a lot of um uh Lauren Hill um uh or the Pearl Jam. Um oh, yeah. uh, pr- pretty diverse stuff. Um, um a lot of Stevie Wonder. Um, I went through a big, and I still do a little bit, what we, I listen to a lot of Hamilton. I, I listen to Hamilton on repeat <laughs> quite a bit too. And just cause it's fun to, to sing to and right. you know, all that stuff. So pretty diverse, but, um, that's not really what I get to pick at practice very often cause the girls take, take a hold of it pretty quick.
0: Oh, I know what that's like. Our, our coach uh, for track brings out a, a speaker as well. And it's, um, the girls sprinters typically kind of take over and I mean us distance I mean we take off anyway but yeah. <laughs> it's sometimes like ah I wish they would pick something else.
1: Yeah. Well the playlist at distance practice in the morning is drastically different than than what uh the sprinters listening to and so and sometimes it's a little bit it's just new music and and new music doesn't sound very good to me so <laughs> if it's come out within the past 15 years I'm like ah this is what you want to listen to but what <laughs> um, but its definitely different genre but um yeah the distance girls listen to something a little bit different um, um, but I, I am a firm believer if you know like tomorrow we have an active recovery day for the sprinters and so I will play what I want to listen to but mainly because it's a little more relaxing and soothing right. if, if I'll ask the girls like hey you can pick the music but we are accelerating today or this is a max velocity day like like we need something a little, a little more upbeat, a little more hype and stuff like that. And, and that way they can kind of pick that, um, you know, sometimes hard workouts, um, like just, you know, long lactic acid workouts or whatever, like it doesn't really matter because they're trying to get their mind right anyway. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of a mental day for them, but if it's just a max velocity day or accelerate kind of aggressive day, um, um, I just kind of make sure that they pick something that, that is in tune with that so they can kind of get ready.
0: Right. That's great. <laughs> Well, coach, this is uh this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed kind of hearing your story, and um, you know, I I I'd really love to have you on again at some point. i will have to keep in touch and and kind of talk a little bit more, you know, kind of training and what you do and and you know, being at a, a women's only program because I think that's a pretty unique. Well not as unique now, obviously yeah, yeah. title nine and stuff, but <laughs> I, I think it's a, it's a very interesting um, conversation around that as well. So. Um, yeah.
1: I'd love to, I, I, I could talk training all day long and even just coaching philosophy, w- w- not just X and X's and O's, but you know, what we believe is important and stuff like that. I mean, you know, we could, we could chat
0: for hours, I'm sure, but yeah, I'm sure one of these days if it works out, just hit me up. Absolutely. So um, yeah, thanks again like i said this has been a lot of fun and you know is there anything else you'd like to add before i let you go no um,
1: um you know you and i talked a little bit before we started about other people from new mexico and, and kind of running and stuff like that and you know i'm drawing a blank on a few people but i think um some other podcasts that i've listened to about about track and field they, they always kind of ask like well who would you like to see on on this and um right. You know um there, there's so many good ones that you know you ran with or, or whatever in, in high school and and in college um, um this isn't really new mexico but jim bevan he's a head coach at rice and a distance coach and i think he spent a lot of time with coach v hill at, at um adam state um and, and now he's an interesting combination because he's a phenomenal distance coach and he's also a phenomenal triple jump coach or lead jump coach um, because he was a jumper at at um um, at Adams state, but he just learned all the distance stuff from V Hill. So he's got this unique combination, but he's a great guy. He and I talk about green chili every time I see him at conference That's meets that. and stuff like that. Cause he's from Southern Colorado somewhere, you know, um, um and they think they know green chili better. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, he's a, he's a good one too. But, um, yeah, this has been a blast. Um, you know, I'm happy to represent New Mexico wherever I go. I still have my Zia flag downstairs and all that stuff. So it's a pr- proud part of who I am.
0: I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time, and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico.com at gmail.com, if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.